Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Welcome back to Accessible Theology. It's Michael and Aaron here again. And Aaron will be entering the three-minute challenge this time um, and be discussing a topic that we are deciding now. Uh, the random generator is telling us number seven, which is Yahweh, or I am who I am, from Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Mm. So Aaron, yeah, are you ready to tell these people who I, their God is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> none, none at all. Uh-uh. Yeah. So, okay, so Aaron, I'm going to go ahead and read these verses. All right. And then Love to hear them. You will not blaspheme, and you will speak rightly. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the verses read, Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, this is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So Aaron, mm -hmm. three minutes to explain this concept starting now. All right. So this is something that is very important, uh, not only to the history of the Israelites, the history of of redemption, uh, it's it's important for us here now, here like today, right here, right now, uh, because it is the name by which God chooses to reveal Himself to Moses, and and so even just to set the scene a little bit here, uh, this is Exodus chapter three, and Moses is uh, standing at the burning bush, and I do think it's significant what is going on in this passage uh, and how it relates to this name because Moses is standing in front of this bush that is on fire and yet not being consumed. And so that's, that's something that is, is meant to, to paint a picture. It's meant to, to, to tell us something about the nature of God. And so when, Ah, uh, yes, that, that clip in that Shailene song is so good. Um, but, but Moses is standing at the bush. I don't have an accent that I can say that with. Um, and God says to Moses, I am who I am. And, and if you follow your footnotes in your Bible, you, you might read down and, and say that it could also be translated. I am what I am, or I will be what I will be. I'm sure we'll talk about some of this in our discussion here in a minute, but, but when God reveals himself to Moses as I am who I am, he's saying to Moses and to us that he is the self-existent one. So, so just as the, the bush is burning and not being consumed, it's showing that that this fire is not relying on anything outside of itself to exist. It simply exists. And, and that's what, what God is saying uh, when he reveals himself to Moses as I am who I am. He's saying, I do not rely on anyone or anything to exist. He says, I am. And, and it's just a simple, clear statement of his nature in that he is the self-existent one. 
And, and so that is, that is important for us as Christians here today as well, to be able to cling to that, that if, you know, if we are weary, if we are depleted and if we are, you know, just feeling the weights and pressures of this world, which I'm sure many of us are now, that we are in relationship with this self-existent one who needs nothing. Was it Tozer who said need is a creature word? God needs nothing because he is not a creature. And that's what we see in his revelation of himself as the I am. And I went five seconds over my time, but we're about grace here. So, oh. <laughs> well, some of us are. Right? <laughs> yeah. Self-sufficient, as mm. uh, Sinclair Ferguson says in that clip we just mentioned. Uh, we might need to put that in the show notes. That there's a certain clip of that, and that's just a fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Show. But one of the things he points out is how the bush is on fire and it's not being consumed, and it shows how how God is this self-sustaining, yeah. self-sourcing um, yeah. power. And what a what an amazing thing to know that our God has an no deed. Yeah. Uh, so thank you absolutely. for absolutely that, Aaron. Um, an article that I really like that's written uh, by uh, Joe Brigney, he, he argues, and I think correctly so, if you look at, if you work through the Hebrew well, you can even potentially translate this as God is the causer of all things, that God is the one okay. who brings about okay. all things. Um, and what I want to ask, Aaron, as we think about the meaning of this, so there are some heretics who really like to pick up on this I am language you have you know joel austin with his book i am the power know, of i am or whatever yeah Stephen Furtick from a couple of years ago arguing that what i am means is that whatever you need from god he can be for you right um, right how much of this i am language is supposed to be something that is human-centered Right. Uh, none. <laughs> yeah. So, so there in, in theology, there's, there's what we call the creator creature distinction. And a lot of problems develop when we seek to cross that divide specifically in, in trying to get the creature to the level of the creator. That's and the yeah, is yeah, one. yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, this, this revelation of God, revelation of his character of his nature is not something that that we are to cling to uh, as in as in something that we are to claim for ourselves this is a unique description of god so follow up question to that then yeah. this word i am who i am is um it was once regularly written out as jehovah mm -hmm. it is now commonly in evangelical circles called yahweh mm -hmm. um why is it that in so many of our Bibles, it's in all kind of all small caps, Lord, can you explain why that's the case and why Bibles typically, for the most part, don't just say the name Yahweh and bring mm -hmm. that out mm -hmm. each and every time then? Yeah, so, so Yahweh is a transliteration instead of a translation, and it's a, a transliteration of the divine tetragrammaton. Yeah. Y W H basically. We've yeah. added the articles, basically we've added A's to it. So yeah. Yah and then Way. So. Yeah. And and is it true that uh within, I don't know, 
some point of, of history that uh, because Jews did not want to to say this name at all in um, so that they would have no chance of of violating uh, the second commandment of taking the name of the Lord in vain that the the vowel points just kind of got dropped off and we don't actually know what the vowels would have been well the biggest is they never wrote it out because they didn't actually feel they had the inherent value to write the name yeah. of God and more importantly than what they did after that was they would just say Adonai if they were mm-hmm, reading mm-hmm. they wouldn't even say the name yeah and Adonai is another word that we see that is is translated Lord so yeah. you see if you're reading the Old Testament and you see L-O-R-D in just regular form yeah that's coming from the hebrew name for god of adonai, adonai. whereas if you are reading your bible and you see kind of all large small caps, caps. yeah called small cap if you see yeah. l-o-r-d that is actually the word yeah. that we're saying here yahweh it's yeah. directly from this uh phraseology of i am who i am so, yeah and yeah. so so aaron with that then let's talk about how jesus is yahweh because that's mm. something that so I yeah think, Here's, here's something I want to mention. I think a lot of times we can think that Yahweh is exclusively about the Father because yeah, we yeah. mistakenly think that only the Father was around in the Old Right, Testament, right, right, yeah, Marcionites, yeah. God is always triune. Yeah. He's always Father, Son, Spirit. Yep. And there's some key spots, I'm thinking John and Philippians 2, I'm going mm-hmm. to have us turn there and look at this to show you how uh, John, in the, in the Gospel of John, he loves picking up on numbers and symbols. And if you study John closely, you'll see this. But there's actually seven, and some scholars debate maybe an eighth, but there's at least seven times yeah. where uh, Jesus refers to himself as I, I am. am. Um, and, and they picked up stone, stones to stone him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I'm thinking of, one of the most powerful stories of that is when Jesus is about to be arrested by the uh, Roman soldiers the night of his the night before his crucifixion mm-hmm. and he tells and they ask if he's Jesus and he answers and ours say I am he I yeah. just wish we would stop playing games with translation <laughs> to this, but I, I am all caps. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Can just have him say Yahweh right right because he essentially does that and isn't that and, and in the narrative all the soldiers fall down because mm. it wipes them out yeah and then this just shows you the the human heart and how God was going to get his son um, to the cross to bring about salvation, they then continued to arrest him. Yeah. After yeah. he just blew them all yeah, out yeah. by just stating his I name. am, yeah. I mean, yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. So we see that Jesus is, is called up there. We also see it in Philippians 2. And mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, turn there with Aaron real quick and ask him. Um, yeah. We can develop this a little bit. It's a great passage. But, yeah, it's fascinating how in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul is explicitly quoting and citing um, Isaiah. Is it? It's fifty something. Let me see if my Bible gives me a reference. That new Nasby, it better it better tell you what it is. <laughs> yes, I hope so. Um, we'll see. Philippians two. What is? What's the verse we're looking I'm at here? Looking for the verse. It is. Every knee will bow. Okay. Um, it's right in that ten and eleven section. Every it time is. Will confess. That's 11, 10 Isaiah and 11. 45, verse 23. So, Aaron, if you would turn to Isaiah 45, oh, okay, okay. and I will read Philippians 2, and I want to show you how the Bible in the New Testament um, actually presents Jesus as Yahweh, which is a very Yahweh. powerful concept that we yeah. get to see how Jesus is himself 
uh, rightly conceived of as Yahweh because he is the eternal son. So, Aaron, if you would read Isaiah 45, 23. 23. Yes. It says this, By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness, a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. And this, this is a promise that's specifically being spoken by Yahweh in this context. Mm -hmm. And in this, it, we are then told, so that, so that, and this is Philippians 2.10, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah. You have the Son and His glory being equated with this, with the fulfillment of Isaiah 45 there as yeah. Yahweh. And so what does this teach us then about Jesus in conjunction with Yahweh? Uh, I mean, I mean, as you've already said, that, that, we can rightly conceive of Jesus as Yahweh uh, because as he says in, in John multiple times, again, as you've said, he, he uses the same phrase. He says, I am. And so there's, there's um, not only just the, the, the fact that we can say, well, yes, Jesus is truly God. He's truly divine. He, he is the exact imprint of the nature of God because he is God. And so um, he's he's fulfilling these Old Testament uh, prophecies. He's he's the one who is ultimately the one that these prophecies are about. And I mean, there's there's still in Philippians two in in particular, there are still things that are yet to be fulfilled from this, uh, because not every knee has bowed yet, but someday every knee will bow in recognizing that Jesus is God. Yeah. And what's what's so incredible in thinking through this concept is how so think of how in Hebrews three it says that Jesus is the new and greater Moses. When Moses is going to Israel in Exodus three, he asks God, Who should I say sent me? Mm -hmm. What's so incredible is when you get to Jesus, they say, Who sent you? And he yeah. doesn't go, Yahweh sent me. Yeah. He says, I am. Yeah. Yahweh. yeah. Like this is the this is why Jesus is greater than Moses and deserving of more glory because he is Yahweh. He is not just merely the one who was sent. He yeah. is God himself right. at the same time. So it's just it's such a rich language and it reminds us that we have everything we need mm. in Christ. Yeah. He is himself the fully sufficient God of this world to the extent that we have no lack in him yep. and his work of redemption Absolutely. for us. So, so Aaron, last question uh, yep. for today then. So yep. in conceiving of Yahweh, um, why is it so significant that Moses received the name of God and what is going into, what, why is it important that we know God's name. What's the significance of a name in, in particular the name of God? Yeah, that that's another great question. Um, it is the exact opposite of what Shakespeare said that a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Uh, the name of God matters, and and it's important because uh, 
were it not for the revelation of God, we would not know God. And, and he chooses to reveal himself to Moses as the self-sufficient one. So even, even in the revelation of himself through a simple name, we come to know what God is like. And the only way we can know what God is like is because he tells us. Were it not for his self-disclosure, we would know nothing about his character. Uh, and, and so the importance of the name is the name is revealing who he is. It's revealing what he's like. It's revealing how, uh, I mean, even even how we can know him uh, in just the simple fact that that he's telling us who he is. And and so um, the name of God is is meant to be intentional. It's meant to be something that 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 tells us about. Uh, who he is and what he's like, and it's not just not just something uh, that is, uh, I guess we would say, accidental. It's not something that that doesn't uh, relate to his nature. Um, it it is showing us who he is, and and so uh, that is important because we need to know who God is, and yeah. and. In order for us to know him, he has to tell us who he is. Yeah, and, and, and in a name, you have reputation. You, like, so think of it this way: if your name, if you come from a family whose, you know, if, if your family's last name is dishonorable, it has a marred reputation with it. And so, this is why God can say in Isaiah at different points, He has saved Israel not for their sake, but for the sake of His holy name. Mm. And that is actually why we can find comfort in our salvation and how and, and why God won't let us go because God has tied his very reputation yeah. to our salvation yeah. in Christ yeah. so much so that we would say that for God to let a Christian go would be a disgrace to him, which is exactly what Moses prays then yeah. God threatens to destroy Israel at the golden calf, yeah. right? Yeah. He tells them, others are going to look at you and say, what was this? You yeah. saved them from yeah. Pharaoh? Yeah. And then you them in the wilderness what kind of god are you yeah and and so moses invokes god's reputation and this pleases the lord that yeah. god, what god was trying to do is bring out of moses a love for the covenant name of yahweh yeah. so it is a privilege that we get to speak this name that we, yeah. because we have been brought to know this god and we should and this is why we should be very careful using the name of god this yep. is why we yeah. why one of the ten commandments is to not take it in vain because yeah the reputation of God is tied into it, and we should only speak of his name in a way that is exalting him, yep. in a way that is ascribing him the glory that he is due. Yeah. So, I, I, I want to finish out yeah. that reference to Shakespeare. I, I mean, I got nothing against Shakespeare. I, I mean, he's all right, I guess. But, he's a writer. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started my Bible reading plan over this morning. Uh, the McShane plan, the Bible in a year, basically. And I was reading in Matthew 1, and Matthew says very clearly towards the end of the first chapter, and they will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So so we see this self-revelation of God in the Old Testament as I am who I am, as the self-existent one. And then we see the revelation of Jesus in his name, that he is the savior. And so, as I said, the, the names of God are important. 
And in, in I am that I am, we see what God is like, but also in the name Jesus, we come to see what God is like and what he is going to do uh, in coming to this earth. Amen. I love the Sovereign Grace Christmas album. The one song is talks about Emmanuel has come. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we have that God is the all-sufficient one, and then we have that God has come near. Yep. Draw near to save us. So, Amen. Amen. So thank you, Aaron, for this explanation. We hope that you would rest in the self-sufficient God that has revealed himself as Yahweh. We trust in him. Mm-hmm. You see those small caps, L-O-O-R-D. I want you to get excited. I yeah. want your heart yeah. a little happy dance every yep. time you see those words because this name is the covenant revealed name of God as he draws near to his people. Yep. So what a precious truth that is. And until next time, we want to call you as we always do then. Thank you.